Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Telling the Story podcast. This is the audio branch of the Telling the Story blog at tellingthestoryblog.com. A look at how journalists and all of us reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. We are back. It has been a few months since my last podcast. That is in large part due to a certain month-long assignment I was given for my station back in February. I was sent to Russia to cover the 2014 Winter Olympics. If you follow the blog, you probably saw my daily diaries from Sochi. But I promised, to myself anyway, that when I got back, I would do an Olympic wrap-up podcast with one of my many colleagues from the trip to really give an inside look at what it's like to cover the Olympic Games, and my guest tonight did just that. He is a sports anchor and reporter for CARE TV in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities. Dave Schwartz, welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. It's good to be with you, man. It's good to be with you and be back uh, on American soil, I'd like to add. (laughs) Dave, currently in the midst, by the way, of the world's longest post-Olympic vacation. Uh, How does that feel, Dave? What what week are we on here? Uh, I am in week, let's see, I've already passed week two. (laughs) <laughs> I will actually say that I have more time off after the Olympics than I did after the birth of my second child. Oh, my. That's, that's the sad truth of it, but it's true. <laughs> sad, and yet right now I'm sure you're not complaining. Oh, I'm loving it. Dave, you and I uh, got to know each other quite well through the games. We both work for the same parent company, but the reason I wanted to have you as a guest is because we we both covered the Olympics, but I think in a lot of ways had very different experiences, both professionally and personally. And I'll get to the personal side of it in a bit, but I wanted to start with the big question. You're a sports guy. You've covered all sorts of events. This was your first Olympics. How did it stack up? It was amazing. It was more... It, it, it hit me more than I thought it was going to. I, I think that's what I really take away from it because, you know, in talking with my wife before we left, the Olympics was always something that she wanted to cover. It was such a big deal for her. And for me, it was just kind of... Okay, great. I'd always wanted to cover a Super Bowl. I always wanted to cover the Stanley <laughs> Cup. I never really thought about covering the Olympics. And so to have the opportunity to do it was amazing. But then it, it so far exceeded my expectations, to be honest with you, Matt. It just was, you know, I, I always keep thinking back to the, uh, the USA-Russia men's hockey game and being inside the arena, at least for the first period, and then being downstairs in the bowels of the arena because that's kind of where we watch the games from. But <laughs> just to be there and feel that energy and – and talk with some of the international reporters, and just to say that I was there because I've had so many people say to me once they got back, "Oh, did you get to? Were you? Did you get to watch the game on the tele, on TV? How was it?" I said, "Like, oh, I was there. I was there when they came off. I got to talk to TJ Oshie as soon as he finished his, uh, you know, going four for six in the shootout. What really made him a star, which which is another story in itself, how much he blew up because of this. But it was just so neat to be on the forefront of uh, history, you know, so to speak. I mean. We all, to some degree, get our information from other people. So it's so neat for me to be on the front lines, be the first person disseminating the information from an event. I get such a kick out of that. And I think that really kind of set it home for me. I think you really hit on a good point there. And journalists consider the Olympics a pretty special assignment. And everybody has their own reasons. I think, you know, especially when it's an international uh, destination, that that's a big part of it. Very few of us get to go to Canada to cover stories, <laughs> let alone Russia. And I'm just curious about you. You know, you said you weren't as jazzed about it beforehand as you wound up being after the fact. Before you went, when you first got the assignment, did your heart skip a beat a little bit? Or, or what, what, how did you take it? 
I'm almost embarrassed because when I first heard about it, I thought to myself, nah, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> I, my news, my heart skipped a beat because I was like, whoa, Russia? And so, of course, you know, my boss, it's the, my news director calling me and saying, Dave, we'd like you, you know, uh, to give you the, the opportunity to go to the Olympics. And I'm thinking, for, you know, typical me, I'm like, oh, gosh, going to be away for a month, so much traveling, and what's Russia like? And I called my wife and I said, so they want me to go to the, I said, first of all, I said, sit down because I'm about to tell her that she's about to be, have me gone for a month while we have two kids at home. And I said, so sit down because um, I have something to tell you. I, I, they asked me to go to the Olympics. And I thought, and I said to her, but I don't really think I'm going to go. I, I don't think I want to do it. And she said, like heck, you're not. She said, this is an amazing opportunity for you as a journalist and for your career. And you have to take this. And I said, well, all right, I guess I guess I'm going to Russia, and so I called my news director. And I said, "Yeah, I guess I'll go," and I'm not sure if that was the reaction she was hoping for. You know, maybe I'd be jumping over myself, but I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, let's let's do it." And so said, I said, "I know, guess I'll go." I guess I guess I'll take the assignment of a lifetime, begrudgingly, you know, pull my arm a little bit. But I, boy, am I glad I did. Looking back, what was the biggest misconception you had about? what that would be like from a from a coverage standpoint, from a professional standpoint. Is there something that was easier that, than you thought it would be, something that was a lot tougher than you thought? Good question. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that I thought was really going to get me was the workload, but I was so prepared from people who had done the Olympics before me, from my bosses, from your and mine boss over there, Tim Dietz and David Hunt and all the you know the nice people at Grinnett that we work for, who we love very much, and uh, who were very who were very uh, very upfront about how much work this was going to be. So I felt like I was I was mentally prepared. I don't think you could ever really be prepared until you get into that situation and, and do it. Uh, I, I think like a lot of people, I was worried about my safety and I, I was worried about uh, something happening while we're there, something happening in where we were. And, you know, I think like a lot of people also, I left with the same feeling that we were never or at least didn't seem like we were ever really in any danger of being a victim of a terrorist attack, whether we were, whether we weren't. I don't know. We may never know. But I think those are the two things that before I left, I thought a lot about was, am I going to be safe? And and just what's this crazy workload going to be like? But they warned me so much. I was I was prepared that it was going to be difficult. But I don't think anyone could have made me feel any better about the security part of it until we got on the ground. Well, the workload is is an interesting point, too, because, uh, you know, this was my second Olympics, and the first time I went into it very uh, probably half blind, half naive about my ability to handle the workload. And back then I was 28 uh, and in Vancouver and feeling a lot more gung-ho about my own physical capabilities to handle it. <laughs> so I get out there, and I'm I'm just burning myself out. Within about a week and a half, two weeks, of, yeah. of getting and probably about halfway through the trip, I was which, just, which by the way, is saying much because your ability to handle what you can handle is is better than most people, I would say. Well, I like I said it, from that. working with you for the Olympics, <laughs> I was amazed at how how much you could keep going. Well, and you know, I, I think we all push ourselves quite a bit on a trip like that. It's you know, for me, I know it was, you know, gosh, any time that any of us left before midnight, that was considered yeah. an early an early night, and and you'd come back in again at nine ten o'clock the next day at the latest. Um, but what struck me about coming in this time was that I felt better prepared. I felt probably much like you did the first time. And yet it's almost like running a marathon where no matter how much you know about how difficult it's going to be, 
once you're in it and once you're in the middle of it, all the preparation in the world isn't going to stop you from yeah. feeling burnt out to a certain degree when you're out there. Yeah, and I think it helps where when I think you have to have a certain number, a certain amount of big events under your belt. Really, you know, I mean, like, like with when you guys dealt in Atlanta with with that horrible ice storm and having to pump out content for the amount of hours that you had to. And in sports, it's you know covering the big championship games, covering Friday night football. This was basically seven days a week, one entire month long of covering Friday night football for me, which is what it right. really felt like. And so I had an idea. I knew that it was going to be a lot. I think a lot of it I was on adrenaline for because it was just first couple of weeks when we were going. I don't really remember until I would say the first night where I really felt overwhelmed was after the women's uh, gold medal hockey game. And so I, that's really deep into the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, we're almost yeah. done at that point. Yeah. That was when it, it was about three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and my photographer, B Chang, who, you know, who's just one of the best in the business. She's terrific. And we were standing out on a loading dock behind the IBC trying to shoot standups. And I could, I was forming the ideas in my head. And they wouldn't make it to my mouth before I stopped <laughs> being able to make any sense of them. And so it was just – it was so frustrating. And then I remember afterwards, the next day I talked with our friend Mark Curtis who's the main anchor in uh, Phoenix and, and a veteran of so many Olympics and just this business. Another great guy. Yeah. And I told him what I was going through and he said, I've been doing this for so many years. He's like, I was having the same problems. And it made me feel a little better because I felt like I was just brain dead. you know. Yeah. And so – but that was really the only time that I remember thinking, oh, man, I'm, I'm having difficulty just really grasping this here. But other than that, you know, we were all in it together and, and it was difficult and it was a grind, but it was so much fun just being around everybody. You know, the, the Olympics were great. The games were memorable. The, the things that we saw were amazing. But what really made it fun was that we were all in it together and we were all just grinding away and pushing at this big goal of covering this together. And that was the mo- it made it the most fun. And let's elaborate on that a little bit. We were in, uh, so we as NBC affiliates, we were all basically, and I'll, I guess I'll, I'll go back even further and say that everybody who works in the media at the Olympics works in the main media center, which is divided into the print side and the broadcast side. So we were in this giant facility on the broadcast side. And within that, we were in a sub-giant facility where all the NBC folks were working. And within that, we were in a room of about maybe 40, 50 people who work for NBC affiliates. So it was anchors and reporters and photographers from NBC in New York and Chicago and and Washington, D.C. and and all these other big cities. So, you know, you do kind of band together in that situation. You get to know each other very well. Uh, and you know, I think that's part of it. I think for me, I know seeing the, on, on the rare occasions where I got to watch other people's work, it was always very, uh, motivating to me just in that, mm-hmm. you know, people were, you know, I, you, you think you can, you think you found every story out there in the Olympic park and you see the work that other people are doing. You're like, all right, there's plenty more out there that I can be doing. Yeah. I can be finding in it. It just, it compels you to go on. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that I learned too. It's it's that gathering. It's you know those first couple of days where people like you and Mark and the people, the folks at Denver were just who had been through this before were taking every opportunity and every little kernel and turning it into a story so that they had it, so they had it in their repertoire, so that there was no you know if there's a rainy day and there's a moment where you don't have a story, boom, we got this, boom, we got that, and 
I remember the day that you guys went up to the mountains and we decided to do something down here, down in the uh, coastal cluster instead. Where Down here? Are you still in Russia? I know, right? You'd think so. It's, it's hard. I'm, I'm just surprised I'm not scanning my credential first before I sit down <laughs> to talk to you. I, uh, and, and you guys took the opportunity to go up to the mountains and, and shoot you know, three or four different stories. And it just you know that, little things like that that we learned along the way to have those stories just always on the back burner in case you need one. Many people, especially TV people, say this about the Olympics assignment. You have more people watching your work than ever, but you don't necessarily do your best work because of all the constraints. You're nodding as I look at you right now. Yep. You agree with that? Absolutely, because I'm actually speaking to a class here at the University of Minnesota tomorrow, and they said, oh, bring something you really like from the Olympics. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like everything I did, but I didn't love everything that I did because, yeah, I mean, you're trying to, you got an hour to turn a package and you got 10 minutes to shove some dinner down your throat before you got to hit the hockey game at night or, you know, you got six different Vosots to cut before you go home and you know, you're trying to do the best work you can. And, and you know, I, th- I hope and I think that most of us were selected because we're talented enough to, to handle this workload and still make the work good enough. But was it my greatest work of my career? Absolutely not, but it, it was it was good, and I think I gave I hope that I gave people um, a little window into what we were seeing and what we were experiencing, so that people could kind of come along the journey with us, and that's what made it fun. That's what made it good, I think, in that sense. But as far as you know, anything I want to put on an Emmy reel, I don't know if I'd put a whole lot <laughs> of what I did there on it on it. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl. He is Dave Schwartz, sports anchor and reporter for Care TV in Minneapolis. All right, so let's talk about the Olympics from a personal standpoint. I know for me, it was very personally challenging because of everything I had to put on hold in my life to go to Russia for a month. And I say all that, and I didn't have a wife and kids at home. (laughs) You did, and you talked a little bit about what that was like at the beginning. How difficult was it being away from your family for a month? I will say this, and I'll say it loudly because she's in the other room. I don't know if she can hear me, that my wife is amazing. There we go. My wife is wonderful. Uh, She took care of our two kids. She sent me, believe it or not, daily emails about what was going on in our kids' lives, uh, what was happening, what the kids were doing, uh, just to kind of keep me in the loop about what was happening back here at home so you felt like you still had a part of it even though you didn't. you know, when we were actually working the two weeks that we had the games going on, it really wasn't all that difficult to keep your blinders on, so to speak, because really that's what you have to do. You have to completely block out everything else that's going on in your life and just focus on the games. Because if you focus, try to focus on everything else, it'll break you. You'll never be able to get through it, and it'll be a complete waste. But you got to put the blinders on. And when you're at the games and when you're working 18 hours a day, it's easy to do. The most difficult days to do that, honestly were our last two days in Sochi where me and you and uh, John Samuel and B. Chang and we all hung out for, for two days and had nothing to do. And that's when you start to think, man, I'd sure like to be back home with my family right now and hugging my kids and having a drink with my wife or, you know, whatever. But, thank, I mean, I will say this. Had the situation been reversed and my wife been on the road for a month and left leaving me with the two kids and trying to work, I would have called in more help. There would have been no way I would have been able to do it myself, not like she did. So uh, that's where it's nice to have a truly amazing wife who I think is probably not in the room anymore. I can send her the MP3 of all this. Please do. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, And I think, you know, it it was interesting for me 
coming back because having such an active life in Atlanta, I almost felt overwhelmed when I got back realizing how much of it I now had to kind of pick up and continue after the Olympics, you you know, and and especially this time. I know in Vancouver it was difficult, but it wasn't as difficult because there were so many concerns going to Russia about just checking your email and and the possibility of getting hacked. And and so it really did become a matter of really only communicating uh, as it was necessary and and in very limited fashion. So for me to actually come back and suddenly not have 18 hours of work to do every day, it seems like it should be a blessing. And, And to some degree it was, but it was also a little bit daunting thinking about all the things that I now had to get back to in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was weird. The first couple of days back were really weird. It was like an out-of-body experience. You know, you're trying to deal with the jet lag. You're trying to continue with your normal life. In, in my case, spend some time with my kids and, and just have some energy to play with them. And, you know, to be honest, after you come back from the Olympics, working so much and then dealing with the jet lag, it's like, oh, hang on. Daddy just wants to lay on the floor for a couple <laughs> minutes and grab five minutes of sleep because I'm exhausted. But, um yeah, it was weird. It was weird to go from having so much to do that you literally didn't, you barely had 10 minutes to eat a meal. And now all of a sudden, okay, I'm not, I'm not thinking about what's it like to be, you know, the eight hour time, nine hour time difference. And, um, you know, what time is it back home? What show am I trying to fill? What am I doing for this? What am I doing for that? And then it's just like, <sighs> okay, now I have to figure out. Okay, did we pay the mortgage? Did we, I mean, granted, most of that most of that got handled by my wife, but um, just trying to figure the little things out again once you got back home. Covering an Olympics can be so grueling. You don't sleep much. You don't eat well, and at times you really do push your body to the limit. Uh, what was the toughest part of this for you personally, other than obviously not being able to be with your family? Um. You know, it, it was it was probably well, one. I like to work out, so it was tough not to be able to work out regularly because I. It's you know, like a lot of us, we like to just be able to blow off a little bit of steam because our job's just a wee bit stressful. Right. Uh, so I like to be able to do that, and not being able to do that uh, was a little challenging because it, we you know just time just didn't permit it. We got to walk a lot, so that was good. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was, and we kind of touched on this already, was hitting the send button and sending some stuff back when I kind of liked the story but didn't love the story. And it was just like, listen, we're just going to have to let this go because we got to go to another game or it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you got to be back here at 8. And so you just, you're going to have to say, okay, it's good enough and go to bed. And, and that's just going to be it. So, you know, especially for – I'm a bit of a perfectionist as I think any, anyone in our business uh, who's worth their salt is. And I know you are, Matt. And so um, that, was, that was probably the, the, really the toughest thing. Other than that, I, I just – I guess I thought it was going to be so much more difficult, but I just loved it. I really did. And going from where I started, which was thinking to myself, well, I'll be one and done. I'm never doing another Olympics again, to meeting with my news director the other day going, great. When do we go to Rio? You know, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's like it's such a three, which is a lot of my personality too. But it, it was it's just kind of funny how, how much ground I covered in one month. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl. He is Dave Schwartz. Dave, I like to use this final section as kind of an advice section for young storytellers. Everybody wants to know how to break into this business. You are now an Olympic uh, reporter slash anchor and uh, a guy who's obviously made some some nice waves in his career. What do you tell 
kids in college. You're about to speak at a school tomorrow. I'm not sure if that's college or high school, but um, what do you tell the people who want to get into this business? Go to law school. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, do. <laughs> I actually I usually open that one. Um, it's a good it's, opener. Yeah, right. It's no, I, I'm, and I'm talking at the University of Minnesota tomorrow. I, you know, I, I give everyone the same advice as I think if you do or anyone else does. It's just try to be as versatile as you possibly can. And know as much as you can about as many things and know how to do as many things as you can. Um, so if, you're, if you have to go to the Olympics and you have to shoot video, then know how to shoot video. If you have to go to the Olympics and you have to know how to shoot and edit, then know how to shoot and edit. Um, but be prepared and be versatile and, and just be willing to do whatever it takes to move up and, and to get the assignments that you want to get. Because inevitably, you know, everything has a price. And if, if you can go to the Olympics and do the job of two people and some, two other people could go, but they're going to cost double, they're going to send you. And so if you want those experiences, you have to be willing to be flexible, be versatile, and be able to do all the things that you want to do. Was there a point earlier in your career where you, you had to make a decision about that, where it was going to come down to kind of, you know, do I continue to try to do everything or, or do I try to focus on one part? You know, in the last couple of years, I, I mean, I've, for, especially for sports, I've always had to do everything. I've always had to shoot right at it and produce and everything. Um, I don't do as much shooting now here since I've become the weekend anchor just because we have more people. Um, I've, never really had, I've never really had to make that decision because the decision was always made for me. Hey, guess what? You're going to be shooting. You're going to be doing some editing. You're going to be doing some producing. It's like, okay, you know, and, and I get it. A lot of moving parts, a lot of people who can do a lot of different things it makes a lot more sense than a department full of a lot of people who can only do one thing. Yeah. So, you know, I understand it. Uh, but the decision's always, it's never been my decision. If it was, I think things might be different, but uh, for now it's not. And I like to keep my job, so I do what I'm told. And I enjoy it. I mean, there's really not a whole lot about my job that I don't like. Well, and you, uh, I mean, you are not just versatile within your role at CARE. I mean, uh, you know, you write a column for a local magazine. You are a beast on social media. I think uh, anyone who follows you is very impressed by that. So, I mean, I, I think... There's, there's got to be, I would imagine, just like you said, just kind of a love of what you do that probably g encourages you, gives you the motivation to do a lot of these extra things when it could be easy enough just to do your one job and call it a day. Yeah, I, you know, at my very basic core, I'm just a guy who likes to talk about sports. I mean, that's, yeah. really, that, that, that's just it. And, and so whether I'm doing that on television or whether I'm doing that in my column in, in the Minnesota Hockey Magazine, or, or I'm doing it on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, I just, or, or someone stops me in the store. I just like talking about sports, and I like breaking it down. I like the nuances. I like the storylines within it. I've always liked it, and for some reason at this point in my life, I still like it. I, I guess I always figured I'd get sick of it, but I really do still like it. I just love talking <laughs> about sports. I love talking, but, you know, all sports, professional hockey, Olympic hockey, might hockey, you know, women's hockey, football, women's basketball, whatever. You know, I mean, one, of the, one of my favorite things to cover is the WNBA. I just, I like good, fun sports and good storylines, and I like to talk about it. And that's, when you really boil it down, that's just what I want to do, like, all the time, even when I'm not working. And I think that's what makes it easy, easier to take on a lot of the extra responsibilities. I know, and, and you know, I was a sports guy uh, for the first few years of my career in Iowa and then Buffalo, and, and I remember similar experiences, walking through the supermarket and 
people just shouting at you, you know, what do you think about the bills? And yep. I, I'd say, I don't know. It's, it's May. And, <laughs> you know. You could but, predict they were going to lose 10 games next I, year. Yeah, right. seven and nine was pretty much the, the, <laughs> the, the easy out on that. But I do think that, you know, especially early on when you're in your early 20s and oh, yeah. you're in smaller markets and a lot of your friends are, are you know, in, in bigger cities making a lot more money than you are. It really is that love of whether it's sports or whether you, you know, love being an investigative reporter or, you know, the thrill of, of being in the in the business. I, I think especially early on, that really carries the day. And then when you get to a point where, where you're more established, I think being able to maintain that passion and that joy allows you to be so much better at your job by the time you do reach a certain pinnacle. I remember when I was in Bemidji, my first job in Bemidji, Minnesota, making $15,000 a year. I what, worked, uh, what market number is Bemidji, Minnesota? I don't, it, actually, it, technically, it's part of the Minneapolis market, but really it doesn't have its own market. Wow. Uh, and it's you know, four and a half hours north. So you can, it, it's, it's not really, it's like unranked, basically. That's how far down it was. So <laughs> I made fifteen grand a year. I worked six days a week, especially during football season when I shot the college games. I literally started work every day at like, 11 and worked to 11 at night and, and didn't care. I loved it. And I would meet with my college roommates, one of which, one of whom was a doctor. Uh, the other one worked on wall street. The other one was a chemical engineer and together they all made more. I, I they made more in an hour than I made in a year. Mm. But when we get together and we'd sit down at the table and have drinks, everyone wanted to hear my stories. And so listen, that that's not necessarily a reason to do it, but you know, they did. They had to go to work every Monday. They hit the alarm clock and begged for the snooze one more time. I got out of bed every Monday and was like, "All right, sweet, the weekend's over. Time to go to work." And and honestly, it's. I mean, I'm I'm 35. Just turned 35. I've been doing this since I was 22. And there are very few days that I get out of bed and go, "Oh man, I gotta go to work today. This stinks." I, I feel so incredibly fortunate and blessed to wake up every morning loving my job because I really don't ever really work a day in my life. I just, I don't, it's just fun. Could you ever see yourself? I know you, you said now you're all pumped for Rio, uh, two years, two and a half years down the road. So many people, uh, in news and sports make their livings by almost exclusively being on the road. Could you ever see yourself in that kind of position? I couldn't, I couldn't. And I know that for a fact, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand being away from my family that long. It's one of the reasons why I love I love local news, and I don't ever see myself going to a network level, even if the uh, opportunity presented itself, which by at this point it is not. So it has been easy. To, it's been an easy question to answer. <laughs> but um, I, I just I love being a dad. I have a four year old and a two and a half year old, and I love being at home. I'm a family man first and a sports anchor second. And I just you know, the nice thing about working in local news, especially in Minneapolis and especially at CARE, is that that's encouraged. It's, it's encouraged for you to, to have your on-air life, but it's, you know, to have your off-air life too and, and, and kind of have that balance. And I just, I love being a dad. I love being a husband. You know, we, we, you and I got to meet Jay Gray, who is a phenomenal reporter for NBC News and a very funny guy. And he's very, very talented. He's also on the road almost the entire year, 300, I think, days is what he told us. And he's got a wife and kids. And I just, I couldn't see myself doing that ever. I, you know, maybe when my kids are older and out of the house and then, the, you know, their job presents itself where we could travel around and have some fun, it'd be great. But at this point in my life, I just couldn't see, I couldn't see myself missing all that stuff. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. 
Uh, Dave, I will end with that famous reporter's question. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to add? Um, I would like to talk about how we fell asleep everywhere. <laughs> literally, not That's just a great you, point. not just me, but everybody everywhere. We literally were falling asleep constantly, and I found that so hilarious and something I never thought would happen. Well, I can. Uh, I wish I could say the same that I that I never thought it would happen. Sadly, that's basically my claim to fame uh, in terms of uh, just my abilities on the trip. And I appreciate it. Talent, though, it does. It, well, it's not just something that anybody can do. You fell asleep pretty much everywhere. I fell asleep on the floor of the mix zone at the curling venue, which I was pretty. <laughs> that's very had, impressive. Yeah, I had a great five minute nap there at one point, but that's you know we were so exhausted that it. Yeah, that was fun. That was interesting. I think actually one of the more underrated joys of covering the Olympics is that I never had to worry about whether or not I'd be able to fall asleep when I put my <laughs> head on the pillow. Because I get, you know, I get here at night and, and usually I can fall asleep pretty quickly, but sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and stuff to get back to sleep. Never had to worry about that. Gosh, you could have slept on a bed with a rusty nail in it and still slept the full <laughs> however many hours you were allowed. Wow. Well, uh, Dave Schwartz uh, Dave Schwartz is a real mensch, and he's also a sports <laughs> anchor and reporter at Care TV in Minneapolis. Dave, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure, Matt. Good to talk to you again, buddy. All right, and the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.